The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Toy and welcome once again to a game from the radio, the official the Back Up Con. This is your host Mark Torres speaking. With me in the GHR studio, we have our senior correspondent Charlie Saladino. Yeah, Pav Latoya Jackson, everyone. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, we also have our very own Pronto Comics Dominic Definition Man Serrano. I got nothing after that. Congratulations, <laughs> sir. You made me silent on a radio show. <laughs> Sorry about that. No. And I was just like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. That's why I used to go yabba dabba do now because, like, it's. But Lato- where did Latoya. First of all, is Latoya Jackson still alive? Yes, she is. And why her? Of all the Jacksons. Because she's the only one I, I was. I met. That's it. I, well, that's I fair. went to work for ABC. Me and Latoya, she actually came to promote her uh, Playboy uh, article, and I had an idea pictorial. once. Remember when, like Christy Swanson, who was in uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Buffy the Slayer, Vampire Slayer play, uh, post in Playboy? No. I had an idea years ago. I was when Tower Records still existed. Oh my goodness, yes. Tower Records, mm. and that was out. That that Playboy was out of buying the Playboy and buying like a copy of ba- Buffy the Vampire Slayer and just walking up to the. Uh, counter and be like hi <laughs> and seeing what the reaction <laughs> yeah. would have been <laughs> yeah, she would have signed it well no this was just at a tower records in general oh oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like just slide it in front like have i wasn't sure to like have a beaming smile or just like oh yeah i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm perverted yeah, i know what i'm doing i don't know <laughs> and we yeah. have zambo the engineer here hi guys how are you <laughs> You heard me giggles. This week's episode, we're going to be uh, playing some interviews that our senior correspondent did at the Big Apple Con. Oh, my, really? Some time ago, depending on when you're listening to this or not listening to it. it was uh, long, about three, Facebook four weeks ago, huh? Yeah. A long, long time, time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far, far away. Yes. Hey, would you be excited to know there's four. someone watching us on Facebook Live right now? Yeah. Would you like to know who it is? Yes. Sure, why not? Uh, a nice gentleman named Steven Zambito. Who's that nerd? I don't know. <laughs> he's some nerd. Hey, I, I, <laughs> I always liked him. He, he's not bad. He's, he's really not bad to quote a friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. So before we do that. He's not the worst. I've met the worst. <laughs> with the news. The oh. news. Oh, thank God. The news is brought to you in part by the Fine Folsom B. Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of. Celebrating over 22 years of conflictness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. And also want to do these shout-outs for the Patreon, such as Danny Grillo, Jared Burrell, whose movie is coming out, or may have already came out, depending on when you're listening to this. Whoa, whoa, did he Two give us more than a dollar for that? Because you gave him way more. <laughs> He gets a shout out. That's that was it. All right. I didn't name. I didn't name the movie. Just a shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Sentence horror. Millie Portes, Kyle Horn, and Dresden Media. Dresden. Wait, wait, wait. Let me see that. D R E Z N Dresden. Okay. Dresden. Dresden. All right. Dresden. Just Dresden. Uh, just making sure it wasn't Dresden, and you were like no, no Dresden, no, like the no, Dresden file. Exactly. No <laughs> Dresden Media. Just, I'm just double checking. Um, so yeah, so Fair you guys want Can't be too careful these days. No, not at all. Shout out. Go to www.patreon.com. Look at we came from real in the search bar. And just for a measly dollar, you can uh, get yourself a little shout out and you can be part of our show. Alrighty. So we appreciate right. everybody uh, helping us out there. Yeah. So let's see. Um, oh, so this is not sad news. <gasps> all right. So <gasps> this is uh, from the. We need a dun dun dun. <laughs> Or something we, like we from, have that somewhere actually. We, you have something like that. It's not. We, here. we do have. It's bum, at bum, the bum. end of it's the radio on, thing. It's on the file. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we actually do have a dun dun dun. Shout out oh, to really? uh, Brian Gray's our engineer from uh, WGBB. Oh yeah. Um, Give that to me. I'll put it on the board for you guys. It is on it there. Works. It is. It is in the files. Okay, it's in my files. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll search for it, and if yeah. I see it, I'll add it. If not, I'll talk to you real quick. No, there we'll, you get go. Done. we'll get it done. I promise. Uh, from the I'm only retiring department. Oh. Legendary Marvel Comics artist Joe Sinat. Uh, announced his retirement from comics with the release of his final Sunday edition of the Amazing Spider-Man comic strip, which has been uh, being in- inked by Joe since 1992 in the newspapers. Yeah. Uh, Joe says, <clears throat> Today we honor Spidey with the final Sunday Spider-Man strip. Thanks, Stan, for all the great memories. Enough Aww. said. 
Um, in addition to his steady work on the strip, Joe, at 92 years old, has worked for Marvel Comics for 69 years, working on such titles as Fantastic Four, Thor, Captain America, and The Avengers, just to name a few. In 2007, none other than Stan Lee had this to say about Joe in an interview. Uh, he says, Pencilers used to hurl all sorts of dire threats at me, and I didn't make certain that Joe, and only Joe, inked <laughs> their pages. I knew I couldn't satisfy everyone, and I had to save the very most important strips for him. To oh. most pencilers, having Joe Sinat ink their work was tantamount to grabbing the brass ring. So, Joe, enjoy your retirement. So, yeah. Happy he's retirement, what, Joe. He's 92? 92. I hope wow. he's got a long retirement. <laughs> I don't, you know. At this eight, point, eight why to get a letter from the president? I'm just saying, wh- one why stop, two at least stop at 70 years even. Well, if he worked for Marvel Comics for 69 years, that's what I'm saying. Just stop. I mean, if, if go one more, if he's still like having fun, though, I can kind of see him going longer because I'm, I mean, he's just, just using his hands. I'm just, not, you know, I would just say hit 70, be be an even number. Maybe he oh, I 69. see, I see what you're getting. Yeah, at. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, maybe he thought 69 was a good year. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe he's a Philip maybe fan there's, of Ted. Maybe yeah, there's maybe. underlining reasons why he did that. Nice. Possibly. For At which, 92, he's not getting any younger, maybe. But he's, which we but, will never know. But he's yeah. only retiring, so yay. Um, but, you know we're what? moving in the right direction with Go the news, Go travel. <laughs> have a great time. You deserve it. Yes. yes. Right. Life right. well lived. So moving along. I would love it. He's like, so what are you going to do in 92? I'm like, nah, I think I'm going to try my own comics now. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, man. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so moving along. Um, oh, okay. Let's do this one. From the... That's a lot of nuts! Perfect. Yes. That was an accidental click, too, so that ended up amazingly. Uh, Captain Marvel is just raking in the money as it flies by $270 million domestic and $780 million worldwide and counting in its first two weeks. Chump change. Of note, Captain Marvel has already become the third highest grossing film directed by a woman after Wonder Woman and Frozen. Nice. Also, the film is expected to hit $1 billion with a B dollar mark sometime in the next two weeks. So yeah, that's that's some big. That's, 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 that's good news. That really is a lot of nuts. Well, yes. is it really news that a Marvel movie's doing well? That's doing that well. Uh, this isn't even really news. Yeah, it is actually. I didn't. I'm uh, not shocked. A Marvel movie that everyone needed to see for the next Avenger movie. Right. That? It's a Marvel movie that everyone needed to see with a Every, immediately tapping remember, into it, a it was, cult it was niche a loose of women tie up. Uh, right, one, J- just so. like last year with with Black Panther, like everyone's gonna go see it because, mm-hmm. like, wow, it's the Black Marvel movie. Well, this is the female Marvel movie, so moms are taking the little girls over and over again. That, so again, that could be something. Yeah, we might say it's news. Is it shocking? No, yeah. But I believe it's good for all womankind. I love you know empowered women, and I don't think they should be, you know, under anybody's thumb. So bravo for them. Agreed. So, um, moving on. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got it. I almost got gotcha. you. Yeah, you got it. From I the, was like, I agree with everything you say, Charlie, except... So, from the hey, we have a Captain Marvel t- movie 2 department. Um, director David S. Sandberg, F. Sorry. Sandberg, and producer Peter Safran have announced that while still years away, they are ready to make a sequel to the upcoming Shazam movie starring Zachary Levy. David says, It's easy for me to say, I'm on board. I think that the goal is giving heroes their time to shine and not feeling like you have to be shoehorned in some universal connection amongst all the studio uh, the studio's movies. Uh, the studio has been incredibly supportive, and DC has been supportive about saying, take the time that you need to introduce these characters in the right way and tell the stories that audiences want to see with these characters. Oh, in other words, they're going to, let's just <laughs> let's just copy Marvel and how they did it originally? Yeah. Yeah, pretty mm. much. Now, what do you think would happen if Shazam somehow outmade Captain Marvel? It's funny that you mentioned that because, because no, well, I'm just oh, gonna say, it. do you think somehow someone somewhere will go like, well, you see, that's just proof of the patriarchy and <laughs> and like misogyny that the male Captain Marvel did better than the female Captain Marvel? No, 
I don't know. I'm gonna put, I'm well, gonna put somebody it out there. will say that. Yeah, I'm gonna put it out there that someone probably on the Huffington Post will throw that out as yeah, an article. Yeah, that's the Huffington Post. But not the, to get political well, about it. I'm know, just saying. They did that. Useless. I ain't thinking. I'm just saying. They just did saying. that with Ghostbusters. They tried to blame the women, the the female crew on mm. Ghostbusters, when in fact it was whoever thought of this reboot. Right, you know, and it it's had not nothing the fact to do that it was with women. the female. Right, it was the exactly. fact it was a crappy movie. Yes, mm. exactly. Right. That that Ivan, what's his name, decided right. not to, um, not he didn't want to dispe- uh, the, disrespect uh, Howell Ramis's. Uh, you know, he thought of that. Now, uh, probably Howell Ramis was alive. He would have said, "Yeah, let's do, let's do. These are the daughters, or these are the let's, right. Let's All continue I had to do was just made a continuation, and everything would have been fine. Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. And whoever thought of that, that was the guy who should be, you know, tarred and feathered, mm. not the females mm. for being in it. Um, as a side note, going back to Captain Marvel, early reports indicate that the film is expected to take in only, quote unquote, only forty to forty-five million dollars domestically on its opening weekend. Shazam! You mean Shazam? <laughs> Scoff. Yes. We're talking about Shazam. Yes. Yeah, you got to be specific now. Well, Scoff. Yes, Shazam, the other Captain Marvel film. Shazam. Um, Do you think we'll even get to call him Captain Marvel throughout the movie? No. But you're Captain. That would be actually pretty funny if they did something like that. Because in Captain Marvel, they didn't actually call her Captain Marvel. She's not really Captain Marvel. She's Carol Danvers. She's Carol Danvers the entire time. Marvel. That's the only one that they mentioned. And at Benning. Yeah, that's the only thing they mentioned. So like, she's really not even Captain Marvel. It's just the title. But the whole thing was smoke and mirrors. She'll always be Captain Marvel to me. But Fandango is once again doing its two-week early special screenings. Um, so they might try to make up some more money by letting the movie come out a little earlier. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, to put things into perspective, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice opened at $166 million, which mm-hmm. was qualified as a flop. Suicide Squad opened with $133.6 million, which was considered a success. Uh, Man of Steel opened at $116 million. One Woman opened with $103 million. And Justice League pulled in a whopping ninety-three. $0.8 million, which was also considered a flop. Nice. And Aquaman, which is interesting, just made $67 million in his opening weekend, but has gone on to make over a billion dollars worldwide. So even though it's set to make, Shazam is set to make only 40 to $45 million, mm. it still could reach the billion-dollar billion mark, which would be interesting to see. The mm. key is the right weekend you put it, like, okay, you take Aquaman. Aquaman came out on a slow like in a sc- slow period of time. That was just like uh, Avatar. If if you yeah. remember, Avatar had a very weak opening, but then right. it became the highest grossing movie, the longest yeah. running at number one. Part of it comes down to like when they release it in the course of the year. Yep. I guarantee you they were smart enough to find a good weekend. That When is it coming out? Um, it's coming out in uh, two weeks, so it'll be April 4th. Right. April 4th of So it comes birthday. out, you got a good three weeks before Avengers. Avengers. Right. It'll be three weeks or so after, after Captain Marvel. Right. There'll be a bit of a lull. Boom, it's going to come out. It'll probably be a sleeper for three weeks, but dominating the box office every week. Hmm. Then it'll then you'll have the Avengers, and it'll <laughs> be the end of that. Be the end of that. But <laughs> it'll probably... Listen, if it gets like 45 million opening weekend, right. and then 20 and 20... And it rules the weekends up until yeah, it's a good then type of the, change. Yeah. Then it's socially conceived as a success. And right. If it, people keep going to see it, especially know, if it does incredibly well overseas. That's if it does really well overseas, that's important. It it's be, most likely going to. And it really just comes down to the numbers. Do they make back the money that was shelled out for it, and then some? Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like how they say, like Justice League and uh, what else was a flop? Justice League was a flop, and what else they were calling Batman versus Superman. Batman, they were flops. Mm-hmm. Well, how much money was spent on them versus a how much did a billion dollars versus what they recouped? Justice so, League had to cost so much money just for the cast alone. Of course, that's it's crazy. And, you know, so that's just, the thing. No, like, no offense to Zachary Levy, but he's just Chuck. He's not. It's great as Chuck. Well, I'm just saying, out of out of everything, it's just you're just paying for Chuck. You're not paying for Ben Affleck, One Woman, Aquaman. Right. You're not paying all that money just from the get-go. Right. So right there, you're ahead of the curve. Exactly. Um, it had a budget of $300 million for Justice League, oh, and <laughs> the box office was $657.9 million. See? So it actually made its it money back. It was the fourth biggest opening of all time. But so it's in the top thirty, top but the, fifty. But right. they say that you have to do twice as much for the uh, marketing. And yes, uh, so not that, counting the marketing. That's right. just make, what I'm seeing. Yeah, it did not make. Um, the, the worldwide 
it made was four. So not counting obviously U.S. and Canada, it made four hundred four hundred twenty-eight point nine million. So that was their right, marketing budget right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, probably that, the marketing. Well, look, out. Here, like classically in <laughs> movies, right? So you have you have Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. right? Right. This has happened often. Yes, the Harry, net and the gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Harry Shearer, whoever, like they deserve royalties. They have never gotten anything because, because they say the movie was a, never. The yeah. movies never made money. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's yes. like it's on all the time. People, you know, like what do you mean it never made money? Mm-hmm. Hollywood a cult classic. Hollywood Shut famously up. has always figured out a way to make the movies make no money. Right. So it, it bound, So it's better for their taxes. Yeah. 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 You know, conveniently, movies don't make money. So, speak- although, yes, one last thing I'll say about this before we move on. Yes, uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room is a, mm-hmm. was a better investment than Star Wars. <laughs> Very true, considering the cult classic it hit. Right, he spent I think nine million on it, and he's mm-hmm. grossed. He grosses like, like fifteen million a year on it every year for people go. going to see it. So, Good job. what does that tell you about movie making? Tommy Wiseau has a success, <laughs> a better successful movie than well, even Captain Marvel. <laughs> Anything that's coming out in terms of, of investment to success ratio. So uh, speaking of and on that classic disappointment. Good night, everybody. So speaking of money, <laughs> speaking of money and movies, from the let's wait until after our latest movie is released department. After being fired last July by Disney, James Gunn is now unfired and back to be scheduled to helm the third Guardians of the Galaxy. I movie love Disney. Right after he completes Ooh. the newest Suicide Squad film for DC. I like that it's unfired. What's interesting <laughs> is that according to reports, the decision was made during the time when James had his quote-unquote final meeting with the execs at Disney when they initially said that he was fired, fired. So this was months ago. If you remember oh, yeah. the report that he went back and they had a big meeting and a hush-hush meeting, they said, no, you're still fired, fired. He wasn't fired, fired. He was unfired at that time. But I, they waited until after you. all the negativity yeah, 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 yeah. from Captain Marvel yeah, yeah. Passed by before yeah. they said that they oh, unfired the way, him. Yeah. Because I know for a fact that they had said it before, it would have just ruined everything for for Marvel. No, no, knowing the talks that they had, like not knowing the talks that they had, obviously, but just predicting. I'm, right. I'm pretty much on the same. Like they definitely did during that same meeting. Like, listen, you're fired. You're on administrative <laughs> right. leave. Once everything dies exactly. down, we'll say, oh, you're actually still on the project. Yeah. Let's just wait for this timeline to cool down we'll let captain marvel do its thing whatever yeah, especially since they captain got. marvel yeah. was getting the negative oh yeah, yeah, yeah. initial so mm-hmm. then while they're doing that they're just like oh perfect it's starting to whirl away your issues that apparently you had and, and then they throw this out there yeah. right right after one yeah. movie yeah. before the other one it was it's all over smart. my facebook feed everyone's smart. like look this isn't great and i'm like you're all a bunch of schmucks <laughs> you don't figure this out this is already pre-planned yeah i knew that this was pre-planned from the start like i, I wanted i would love to go through their to the archives and see if we talked about this back in july saying like you know he'll be back right i think we did <laughs> we gave um <laughs> we gave uh uh, Batista, we gave him some props for having integrity, for being like, I'm standing with them, and he was like, I'm not going to do the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm telling you, all of all the <laughs> actors knew. All the oh, yeah. actors were told they have to do this to make it look like they're really insulted. Yeah. I'm telling you. That's what they have to do. Yeah. It's like, and Batista, I, you could be angry. He's like, yes, I love being angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on top and, of all that, I'm sure Marvel or Disney or who, whatever conglomerate that Disney has control over gave everyone on the cast separate movies to fill the time so they weren't out of money. Yeah. And and you know what? I gotta say... Because Disney's Disney. That, yeah, that mouse, Disney owns you. The mouse controls all. That yes. James... The, the funny thing about that, James is the one that made like a bandit because he's also going to do the DC yeah. movie as well. So not only is he going to do Guardians, he's doing the DC Universe 2, which is mind-boggling. Can't that wait for that soundtrack. Two Woo-hoo! different yeah. films. Yeah, of the essentially the same thing. He's doing, he's, he's gonna, yeah. They announced too; it's going to be a complete reboot of Justice yeah, League yeah. Two. They're like ignoring everything. Suicide, 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 Suicide Squad. I'm sorry. Yeah, Suicide Squad. Thank you. It's, they're just completely ignoring what the hell happened. So like, that's that's crazy. Hey, it worked for Marvel and the Hulk. So. <laughs> they did. They did three they times. Didn't, they did three, three times. Three times. The the Hulk movie, as I like to say, was a sequel to a movie that never happened. Which one? The, the second Hulk movie. The Ed Incredible Norton. Hulk. The Ed Norton one. Yes, because the way they played in the beginning is like, there was a movie that happened beforehand, but it wasn't the one we saw. It was like... Yeah, you're kind of right. You I thought that was kind of cool. We referenced that there was a movie, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. Even with Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> we referenced there was a second movie, but we don't really talk about it yeah. too much. Yeah. Do you guys even know that, like, canonically, the Ed Norton movie is 
part of the Mark Ruffalo Hulk line. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's they just do they admit pretend it. as if it's the same person. Yeah, yeah. They, they like, yeah. I think they talk about it in passing in the first or second yeah. Avengers. Yeah, the, the first Avengers where yeah, yeah. he says he's going to put a gun having... in his mouth, blew his brains out, but then the other guy spit the bullet out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. having yeah. Um, Thunderbolt Ross, the yeah. same actor. Yes, that's true. They did. They brought Thunderbolt Ross back. That's true. They did. So, yeah, it's little stepchild underneath the. And that was also that was also the first the second movie that had a button mm. where Tony Stark yeah. shows up and says what if I told you we're putting a team together yeah mm-hmm. so it is in the canon yep so yeah. there is technically canonical evidence of it so yeah. I find to be that perfectly fine yeah you know I just don't know if Ed Norton was like I want more money and they said no and no, I heard he was just hard whole, to work with the whole I, Ed I, heard, I heard three things I heard it was money hard to work with or he's like you know what I kind of have something else going. Give it to Mark Ruffalo. This is, but it was probably all three. It was probably all three at some you point. You remember the report? Because he like we got he loved it. He wrote it. He worked. You know, like yeah, he directed. Yeah, he was yeah, all yeah, in yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah, it's like Baff- uh, Ben Affleck before Affleck. Oh Jesus! The report we did when that actually happened, and the the article had does not play well with others. Yes, remember yes, that? I do remember. Oh that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So back then, okay. so so the the short version is that. Whenever, what I'm told, whenever you hire Ed Norton to be in a movie, you're not just hiring him as an actor. You're hiring him as a writer, director, editor, He's all that more stuff than just in that. there. Because yeah. he wants, he believes in a project. He wants to be fully immersed in a project and whatever. Okay. So I heard that they that he came down to fisticuffs with the actual director and editor in the editing room. And they're like, we don't want him around. But if you go back to the um, announcement of the Avengers at San Diego Comic-Con, right. when they were reading off the names... Of all the people when they walked on stage, yeah, I believe it was Sam Jackson who was reading them off the names. He said okay. that coming off his sequel of The Incredible Hulk is Mark Ruffalo. So like they changed at the last minute that he was going to come out. So they wow. had intended Ed Norton to be in the Avengers, but they were like too much, it's and too they much. pulled the plug. Like, yeah, because he'd want to write and direct the entire Avengers movie, and which and at that like, we time we can't have that. Back then they were like total in control of the whole. Yeah, narr- like, yeah, narr- I kind of narr- don't want that as opposed to, to now, where they're kind of letting people kind of do their own thing a little yeah. more. Yeah, they're not as strict. That's why what's the name quit. Um, Josh Whedon quit in Avengers after Avengers Two. He's like, yeah, I can't do this no more because he well, you fought know what? for certain scenes and I things just, and all that I stuff. just was watching Avengers Two last night with my lady, and I got to tell you, upon second or third viewing, I have to, I like it more. Hmm. I think hmm. Whedon made a great film, not necessarily a good sequel to the Avengers per se, but a really great film where he was able to introduce much more of the human element that he's known for. Right. Especially, like, I really appreciated more of Hawkeye in that movie. Yeah. I really did. Like, it's like, and I was explaining it to my lady. I'm like, you see, he's the human element that, he's the Xander, essentially, and he's the human element. This is what Joss Whedon always has. He always has a character that brings it back to the human moral compass of the team, and that's what he's made Hawkeye into. Right. And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, yeah, he really did, and he really grounds that movie. So much so he grounds it, that I know you probably didn't like the scene, but he's like, look, uh, the, the, the city's flying, uh, we're fighting robots, I have a bow and arrow, none of this makes any sense. But he grounded, even for the audience, yeah. he's like, look, he's essentially saying, it's just fun, take this as this is, it's kind of crazy, just go with it. Right. So I would say, yeah, I, I think, uh, I wouldn't, I'd say it's even better than the first Avengers in a certain respect. Because Whedon at least got to do a little bit more of what he wanted, but I know he got annoyed because they had to put the Infinity Stones in. Yeah, they had to put that whole Thor scene. Yeah, but on the flip side, that's Marvel saying, yo, we have a plan. You got to stick to the plan. Yeah. It's it's you can have Ryan Johnson comes in and goes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, basically. Please no. (laughs) We got a plan. (laughs) We're going for an overall arc here. We need this. Mm. So moving on. Amen to that. There you go. From over from speaking of overarching stories, from the great now I meaning me have to watch this movie department. You mean Mark Torres? Yes. Oh, uh, the upcoming film, oh boy, The Curse of La Laronia, is officially part of the Conjuring universe as a character from 2014's Annabelle hmm. makes an appearance in that film. Uh, Father Perez, played by Tony Amendola, shows up. Making the connection to Annabelle explicit, recounting his involvement in the events of that movie. And since that movie is set sometime in the 70s, it is now a side sequel to the first Annabelle. So I had no intention of watching this movie, but now... Now you have. Now you really need to work on your Spanish pronunciation, sir. (laughs) Si, es bueno. (laughs) 
no. Don't they have thought at Libri As someone of no. Hispanic heritage, you got to work on that. Oh, I'm no. the worst of I'm the worst Puerto Rican there is out there. I... The point is you're trying, and at least you're admitting. That's yes. the first step. Yes. The first step. The first is step admitting. is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and and who knows? I could have been right with the pronunciation. You weren't. <laughs> could have been. There could have been. You could have been. Know. Sure. But he's Charlie's looking no. at me like no. It's so All bad. Right. Charlie has yet to say anything <laughs> for the past uh, five uh, minutes. The conjuring was just. The too conjuring. Much for me. The well, conjuring, yeah. Well, the conjuring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, until you met until you mentioned Annabelle, I didn't know what movie that was. <laughs> See? There you go. There you go. Oh, I had no um, idea where he was going with this. Yeah. So wait, you're not gonna go over like the really big news today? Are we saving that for next week? I only have two more small bits of news, so All right, go go on. All right. Whatever works. Um from the I, meaning not me, had better come up with a screenplay in a flash department. Actor Ooh. Ezra Miller is teaming up with comic book writer Grant Morrison to pen a new screenplay for the Flash solo movie. As if one isn't completed by this May, the film deal with Ezra will expire. Uh-oh. That'll be a great movie that no one understands the plot of. <laughs> because that's Grant Morrison's entire storytelling ability. Like, And suddenly here's a character that makes no sense that comes out of nowhere that changes the entire story. But Why don't who, we just get uh, Neil Breen Who knows it? what they're going to do with this movie, if it will actually know. ever get made, but they haven't until I, May. I definitely know I won't be watching it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Every yes. time I ever read a Grant Morrison comic, I always felt like he had an incomplete story in his head, and he just decided to omit sections of it and just <laughs> let you figure it out. Yeah. Is that is that like Quentin Tarantino when he has a script and he falls down the stairs and he just gathers it all up together and they do the movie <laughs> like that? For the first day of exactly. shooting. Like, that's, oh, no. that's exactly yeah. how that goes. In fact, I think because it's Tarantino's process, he just throws the script down the stairs and he's like, all right, that's how we're going to do it. Figure it out. Now we have flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be an amazing process that he just says? No, and no. And he just goes, Hah. No, it'd be oh, stupid, And Mark. then he'll hire a guy to put it all together. And that's he'd be like, editing. all right, listen, I fell down the stairs. You know what to do. What do you yeah. mean? Turn it into a cohesive movie without using it number to number. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, final bit of news. Yeah. Um, from the I, meaning me, might have to pick up this comic department. Uh-oh. Um, my favorite writer, uh, Peter David, along with Dale Keown, are reuniting one more time for a special Hulk one-shot this June. Incredible Hulk Last Call, which finds Bruce Banner tired of being the Hulk and ready to call it quits when a new opponent appears that brings him out of his lull. Uh, Peter says, It's time, it's great to be working with Dale again. Some of my favorite stories were produced during Dale's time in the book, and I endeavored to produce a story that would hit all the high points fans remember from those days. I can't wait for the readers' reactions to the story. Uh, for those of you who do not know, the pair worked together on The Incredible Hulk from 1990 to 1992, just before Image was, uh, well, Image was being formed, and then he jumped ship to Image, and then reunited. Did he create Savage Dragon? Uh, no, that is, uh, Dale Keown created Pit. Savage Dragon is Eric Larson. Oh, okay. Just because uh, I remember there was a point in time where, like, I, I maybe it was during Peter David's run. That where, there was an Eric Larson. Uh, well, there was there was this thing where he had the Hulk and, like, oh, go incognito. And they had the Hulk put a fin on his head. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, I look like the Hulk with a fin on my head. Yes. Knocking Savage Dragon. Yes. <laughs> they they had a little tip for tat back in the day. Um, and then uh, the two of them, Dale Keown uh, and Peter David, reunited in 2002 for the Incredible Hulk, the end one shot, which was the final story of the Incredible Hulk. So this is a little interesting. Clearly it wasn't. Point. Well, no, it was set in the future. And, was it know. the future imperfect? No, no, no. This was after that. This was oh. after, after, future, future, where the Hulk hmm. was the last one there, and he tried to kill himself, but he, the Hulk would not let him die. It was actually a very interesting uh, little okay. comic book by there those two guys. So, yeah, so that's it for the news. I, I now Thank know what God. you were talking about, so we're going yeah, to say Steve, that for next time. Understand. All right. Um, so we're going to take our break. Oh, I get to press the button. <gasps> yeah, so we're ready, Mark, for the break. I always love yes, when our news is a week old. We'll be right back with Came from the Radio. Hey ghoulies, this is Demon Boy, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. <laughs> Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hi, this is Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th century, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hey guys, want to impress everyone at your next party? Shock them all with a custom cake. Anything goes. Classic wedding cakes to wild party themes. Follow my social media for weekly videos and photos. We're a Long Island-based cake shop. Custom Cakes by Christie Incorporated. K 
K-R-I-S-T-Y. Call or text anytime. 631-606-8166. I'm Nathan Booth from Ben and Apple TV, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello everyone, this is Envoy Comic Distributors, the independent distributor for independent minds. We represent some of the finest small press and self-publishers out there today. To learn more about us and our publishers, search for Envoy Comic Distributors on Facebook. And shop for us online at envoy.storeenvy.com. That's E-N-V-O-Y dot S-T-O-R-E-N-V-Y dot com. Have a great day. Hey, this is Brimstone. And this is Kim Adragna. And this is Zambo. And we're from the Grindhouse Radio, and uh, we just won the 2017 Best Radio Station on Long Island. Right now, you're listening to the other guys. It came from the radio. Now, back to our show. And we are back. <laughs> That's a good one. It's good. Dominic yeah. Sperano and Zambo, the engineer. Hello. Um, we have interviews from the Big Apple that, that Charlie do. did. So, Charlie. Yes. Um, what are we going to be hearing first? First, we're going to be hearing something that, that really thrills me to death. Um, Please don't die. We, I mean, Charlie, was, I can't do this show alone. No, yeah, I got, I got a thing tomorrow. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I got listen, this was, and, and Mark, no, Mark, when you introduced me, you said, come down Get here and, and buy a hot dog. They're, they're delicious. That was Saturday. I went down to buy the hot dog, and they weren't there. They were sold out. Why so, are we talking about hot dogs? I'll tell you why. It's a very interesting story. The next day I went down and I was talking to this guy, and the story about this you know, specific hot dog was so amazing that I said, listen, let me interview you and tell the story of this. And, um, and it's a great hot dog, and it's delicious. All right, so let's hear it. All right, so, let's go. This is Charlie Salonino from It Came From The Radio, live from the Big Apple Con. And as we know, in any convention, food is so damn important. And here at the Big Apple Con, we are lucky enough to have one of the original, original hot dog people of Coney Island, Feldman's. And uh, I'm here talking with Mike and Greg from Feldman's. Tell us a little history about this amazing, amazing hot dog? Well, this hot dog started back in 1867. It's the world's first hot dog brand. It was invented by Charles Feltman. That's right. If you look it up, Charles Feltman is the inventor of the hot dog. Uh, by 1871, Feltman's restaurant in Coney Island was the largest, most extravagant restaurant in the world. 1915, a guy by the name of Nathan Handworker got a job at Feltman's slicing buns alongside Jimmy Durante and Eddie Cantor. By 1916, he left his job at Feltman's, went down the block, and opened up what we know as Nathan's Famous, undercutting Feltman selling nickel francs to Feltman's 10-cent francs. So now let me ask you something. I'm very excited about this. Greg, you're back at Coney Island? Yeah. Yes, yes, we're back at Coney Island. Actually, we just finished up. We were at Luna Park for the last two years. And, um, and now we're looking to expand even more, not only in Coney Island, but we're in supermarkets, about 500 locally. Uh, by April, we'll be in about 1,500 supermarkets nationwide. I'm telling you, these damn things, and I'm a hot dog expert, everybody knows it, these damn things are delicious. These hot dogs are like, and believe me, I have put away a lot of Nathans. These hot dogs are better. I like them better than Nathans. Uh, you got to try these, and uh, Mike, how can they try them? Well, you can order them directly through our website, feltsmansofconeyisland.com. Uh, it also, on our website, will also indicate where the hot dogs are sold. And you're absolutely correct. This is the most premium hot dog on the market right now. Each pack of Feltman's hot dogs are one pound. You get one pound of beef. They're naturally smoked, lean cuts of beef, and a lamb casing. It has that snap. You bite into it, it 
pops open like a water balloon and the juices flow down your mouth. It's like no other experience before in your entire life. So definitely check it out and try the world's first and finest hot dog, Feltman's of Coney Island. Wow, he, he ain't lying, folks. And like I said, if a convention has to have food, this is the one. This would be my vote. But anyway, Mike, thank you so much. And you just gave uh, all the um, all the vitals where people could get in touch with you. Thanks for uh, stopping and uh, talking with us. And keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Stop, thanks for stopping by our booth and trying the best hot dog in the world, Feltman's of Coney Island. And that is it for the food part of this uh, this uh, convention. And this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> we are back. And that's it from the food part of that. I will not mention anything other than food again. But right. we know, and you convention knowers, goers rather, know how hard it is uh, to get good food that doesn't cost an arm and a leg in a convention. So just I just wanted to say, if you see these guys, uh, if you see them at a convention, stop by, say hello, and uh, grab one of those great hot dogs. I love that we did a food segment because food <laughs> segments classically are visual. Yeah. So you can yeah. see the food. Yeah, but this just and makes... here we're doing a food segment on the radio. <laughs> yeah, listen, that's why we're inventive. That's where we're on the cutting edge. Trust me, we do it all the time, and we don't know how people like it, but they do. Let's just leave it. I'm just. Yeah. So now I'm really hungry. It's and, for the. Yeah. It's for the it's proof awful. that radio is theater of the mind. It is. Yes. yes. <laughs> so you yes, can just envision these hot dogs. And then we just made and it the juices rolling the down. Your What's chin? that? Your radio engineer yeah. is on the a giant. Let's talk about hot dogs. Yeah, it got a, it so got a little crazy there, and the yeah, juices rolling down, down your throat. Chin. And yeah. I'm like, just like, I'm like, what the hell are they doing with these hot dogs? I just, you know, <laughs> like it's a hot dog, dude. Calm <laughs> yeah. down. So, yeah. Yeah. moving the, on, we have um, Feldman hot dog drug ring busted. Yeah, <laughs> crack cocaine in their hot dogs. Yeah. Lewis is next. Who's Allegedly. Lewis? Yes, Lewis uh, <clears throat> Martino. Lewis is a uh, a character, and he is a. He's an actor, and he was in several films, and uh, such as it was just well, um, he's well, he's going. Mm. It's in Hopefully. the thing. Oh, it's in the thing. Yeah. Okay, it's in the thing. It's Thank in, God. It's right, in so the thing. You just so, played the thing. Um, oh wait. You yeah. So no, no. I was just going to say, and he's definitely a character. Great guy, fun guy, and uh, just let's play this. All right, let's play. Uh, yeah. This is Charlie Saladino from came from the radio. I am still live at the Big Apple Con, and I'm here with Luis Marino, the one, the only. Luis, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on your show. Listen, for anybody who don't know who you are, just enlighten them. I am the young boy Michael Corleone from Godfather 2. I've been in over 10 films. What kind of films? Let them know. Okay. Dysfunctional Mob, um, The Deuce, 13 Reasons Why, I Was a Pedestrian, uh, Orchard Beach, uh, The Godfather Part 2, Ragtime, Two Weeks Notice, and uh, also ne next year, in uh, 2020, I'll be having my own film come out, The Dysfunctional Mob. That's a beautiful thing. Hey, do you, ne you need any Italians from Brooklyn in there? I have a lot of Italians from Brooklyn. A lot of my friends are all from Brooklyn. Got there you friends. go. You got your cast already. Yeah, I could use an extra guy if you want to be in it. <laughs> I want to be in it. I'm leaving you my card. You call me. That's right. I can do that. You got it. So anyway, um, now we're going to look forward to that in, in uh, 20 uh, in uh, 2020. And uh, where will that be out? Distribute it. They could check it out. Uh, I have a like page. The Dysfunctional Mob like page is on Facebook. Check it out. I have a lot of big time actors in my film. And um, it's a comedy. There's no cursing, no sexual scenes until the sheets reveal. Beautiful. Lewis, tell everybody where they could get in touch with you or your social media. Yes, they could find me on Facebook or they could email me at lewismarino9 at gmail.com. Beautiful. Lewis, thank you for taking time out. I appreciate it. We'll be looking for you next year. Thank you. This is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. We'll be right back. And we are right nice. back. Hello. All right, wait a minute. So this guy was what? Michael as a baby in The Godfather no, 2. No, you remember Michael's in The Godfather son. 2 when they had the flashback with yeah. the kid running through the streets and climbing the roof? Him. That was him. 
the kid climbing no, the no, roof. No, not the roof. No. Sorry, going up the staircase to. He, um, no, he played. He played his kids. Remember when they were at the resort and they had the kids there? Oh, he played Michael's son. Oh, Michael's son. Michael's yeah. son. That's what I. That's, son. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. See, I was under the assumption he was the younger kid. That's what I That thought. was being portrayed as Michael and the kid. That was my Michael, his namesake, the younger ah, Michael. Uh, okay, Michael Jr. He's the one who was having his first communion. That yeah. one. Okay. And the mo- okay. That makes a little more sense, at least oh, to me. Right. I don't know. Okay. Mark is completely, like, totally. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No. So. Mark, Mark, don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> when you get around to those movies, you will understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, so he'll then, get around to those movies. Some list. Mm, some, yeah. yeah it's sometime true. before the inevitable heat death of the universe. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right before. Yeah. Just before. Just before. I'll leave, cliff, I'll leave it on a cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> yeah. So next one we have uh, Barbie. Barbie Chula. Chula. Barbie Chula. Like, Barbie is that like Poppy Chula? Barbie Chula. She is an amazing. That you get right. Yeah. Yeah. She is an amazing cosplayer. And uh, and she has all her own her own cosplaying uh, characters. So uh, she's really amazing, quite attractive young lady, and um, just quite um, talented. Cosplayer. I love that we interview cosplayers again, a visual medium that we can discuss. On the yeah, but again, like I always say, if you go to our Facebook page. And if you go to right our now. albums right, right now, now. Yeah, right while now. this is airing, you can you can see the visuals. It's right. in the big. Why do we make our audience work so hard? <laughs> Man, you got to work <laughs> to make that money. That's what right, they say, right? Not, yeah. Hey. All right, so we ready for it? We're ready. All right, Poppy Chula, yeah. let's go. We yeah, go. that you get right. This is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio, live here at the Big Apple Con. I'm here with one of the most beautiful cosplayers I know, Bobby Chula, and she's what, the Dark Empress? No, I'm the Evil Enchantress. Okay, I was wrong on all levels over there. But anyway, we know each other from other cons, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're always chatting on Facebook. But you have some of the most outrageous cosplay costumes. Uh, Tell me all about yourself I'm Italian I love to cosplay and I love horror characters and I made my own characters so yeah I love to go to cons have fun meet people and get dressed up <laughs> I guess now your your costumes how do you come these are your own creations how do you come up with them what is the inspiration for that maybe horror movies so I try to create a sexy horror character so yeah, something new. So anyway, how long have you been doing this, Bobby? Uh, about like 40 years, maybe, more or less. Because I was just a model before, and now I start to get into cosplay a lot more seriously. So yeah, I'm trying to go to every Comic Con. and. So what made you decide, like you were sitting down one day and you said, oh, this is what I want to do. How did, how did this all start? Maybe because I like to do crazy makeups, so I like to change and do uh, something new all the time, upgrade my costumes, like my Pennywise, it was the first female Pennywise that was a little, you know, different from the movie, now I created this character, it's called the Evil Enchantress, and I'm like upgrading all the time, so yeah, I think the makeup, I like to do makeup and everything, also because I'm a graphic designer, so that's why it's so easy for me paint myself <laughs> yeah so yeah your makeup is beautiful it's unbelievable like you guys are going to see on my pictures from the big apple con um yeah she is beautiful i have to tell you and uh bobby where now i'm looking at you but where can other people see you all your social media get yourself out there okay my instagram is barbie chula nyc and also facebook barbie chula nyc so yeah i think they can find me there that's good. Bobby, thank you so much. You look outrageous. You look great. And I, I can't wait for all our fans to see your picture on our uh, Facebook page. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. This is Charlie Saladino at the Big Apple Con. We'll be right back. And we are back. So for frame of reference, that right. is the girl with the black. Yeah, I'm yes. looking at it right now. I'm looking okay. at this right now. Okay. <laughs> the uh, Italian girl the I- with the black. Yes. Well, I'll give her this. Because of her cosplay, you have no idea what ethnicity she is in any way, shape, or <laughs> very form. Very true. Very true. Well, uh, I'll also give you this. 
Holy guacamole, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and if you check the other pictures, that other young lady who took the picture with me and Bobby, that's Bobby's mom. And oh, my God. also okay. a stunner. I, I, I like well, how she's she got good R's. genetics. We'll <laughs> yes. definitely say that. Better living through genetics. I like yes. how she rolls her R's personally. J Seriously, <laughs> those R's were rolling, man, like rawhide. It's yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> we need a whip crack sound just for that example. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. So yeah, so see if people do some work. They check out the picture seats. So you actually did the did the homework, so you can see what. Uh, yeah. So funny, right? She's a, she's in, she's a, an amazing makeup artist, and she's just uh, very inventive. How did she stuff. like so, walk moving. through the streets like this? Maybe she had a coat. <laughs> well, it's not very far. Courage. She lives in Manhattan. Pure so. courage. There you go. Seriously. <laughs> so we have um, two more to go. So we have uh, the next good. one is R R Rembler. That's the uh, Rembler. Yeah, that's uh, the pillow cell phone guy. Right. Artist. That's the artist. My one of my favorite artists, and that was uh, oh, nice. That. Um, is with Hope Asset. So and, uh, it wasn't with the actual guy. It was like a... No, no. He is uh, from Paris, France, and he... You couldn't go to Paris is. and interview him? I can if, if you gave me the, uh, <laughs> so the money yeah, the money to get there. $10,000 on Patreon. I would definitely do an interview That's for right. the show. Put me up at a hotel. Give me the money for the flight. You yeah. got it. I'll be there. But so, anyway, so um, his representative down here is Hope Asset, and... Uh, she was the lovely lady I interviewed, so let's All right, do so that. All right, so let's hear Hope. All right. And this is Charlie Saladino back again. From came from the radio, still at the Big Apple Con, and loving every minute of it. And I stopped at one of my favorite, favorite, favorite boots. Um, one of my favorite artists, Richard Rumbler. And uh, he has an rrrembler.com boot here, uh, which we're really excited about. You have to see the products. You'll see it uh, on my Facebook page. It came from the radio and the, the Big Apple Con pictures. So uh, really, really uh, look at this artwork. It's great. I'm here with Hope Asset, and uh, she is the caretaker of all this uh, lovely uh, artwork. And um, tell me, Hope, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about this. Well, um, Richard Rambler is the artist. He is from Paris, France, lives there. And what we do is we take his art and we put it on different products, such as pillows, phone cases, um, mugs, uh, even yoga mats. Um, Richard has a different technique, um, quite unique. It's called Sumato, and it is actually um, drawing with colored pencil and paper. Uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci was his um, inspiration for this, and he's developed that technique even further, as you can see on the products. Yeah, you have to you have to really see the artwork. His artwork is beautiful. Plus, he has prints here of all um, superheroes done in his his style, and they're they're unbelievable. They're they're like you never saw before. Like usually, you go to a convention and you'll see like you know the superhero, and, and in the back, it's all spectacular stuff. But he actually features the superhero, and his artwork is so precise. And it's so amazing. How how long has, has this man been working on the superheroes? Uh, he has. He's an avid collector himself, but, but he's been doing superheroes for years. He uh, he does a great job. Now, where can people find out about this amazing guy? Well, uh, they can go to Richard's Facebook page, which is Richard Rembler. That's R E M B L I E R, as well as his Instagram page, which is Rembler underscore Richard underscore Artiste. That's uh, that's amazing. Everybody, go there, look at his work. It's amazing. Now, how do they get in touch with him through you? They can contact Richard directly through Facebook or Instagram, or for any of our products, they can contact me at uh, our uh, via email which is rr.rembler r-e-m-b-l-i-e-r -E at gmail.com beautiful hope thank you so much this booth is amazing i love the artwork and uh hope to see you real soon thank you thank you so much sam <laughs> this is charlie saladino from it came from the radio we'll be right back 
and we, we are back. So it's RR Rambler. So the second R is for artist, right? Artist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Hey. <laughs> so, yeah. What? Uh, so we have the next one is about <laughs> 10 minutes long. So we yes, have about Why? 10 minutes to go. We have so, about that much, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go really quickly into it. So we're going to end with Mary so we're Wilson. Play yeah. the, we're going to play it, and then right. we're going to end this show. So I just want to mention, thanks for listening to our show. Um, you can go to our website, um, www.camefromreal.com. Um, you can check us out in places such as Overcast, Podcast, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, Breaker, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, Soundcast, Acast. And we'll see you next week. Play that. Bye! This is Charlie Saladino. I am here at the Big Apple Con, and oh my God, I am so honored to be here with one of my idols, Mary Wilson from the Supremes, and an illustrious solo career. In my opinion, one of the best singers in the Supremes. I would like to say the best singer in the Supremes, uh, but I would like—I am going to say one of the best. But you people who know me know what I mean. But anyway. Mary, it's such a pleasure to have you on our show. You are so kind, and I appreciate that so very much. But you know, there were three of us, <laughs> and I love us all. <laughs> yeah, I know, and, and you know I'm only kidding about that. You guys forged an unbelievable music career, uh, not only for yourselves, but for future singers to come. I don't even have to list them. Um, there were people sitting watching you, and they became big stars because of that. Um, first of all, let us talk about what's going on in your world now. We all know what an iconic singer and musician you are. Let's talk about what's going on now for Mary Wilson. Well, you know, I'm very happy. I just had my, celebrated my uh, 75th birthday this year, 2019. Thank you. And I'm very proud of that because we've lost so many beautiful, wonderful personal friends of mine and, and yours, those who are listening to us. And so I'm very happy that uh, I'm still up, <laughs> standing up and singing. But I am doing lots of things. Uh, I, in, front, in front of us right now, uh, of course, your listeners won't be able to see it, but I have um, a new coffee table book that's coming out in the U.K. in May and here in the U.S. in September. So that's one of the, my more recent accomplishments. I'm very proud of it. It's all about the Supreme's uh, glamorous gowns. It also has a lot to do with, I'm kind of, re, you know, I've written three books already. And this one is more or less just a recap of everything I've written. Maybe some new updates and all that. But basically it's about the gowns that we wore on the Ed Sullivan Show. Hullabaloo, you know, Shindig, and all those great, great shows. So that's one of my um, things that I'm doing. I'm always doing something. My mother, my daughter says, Mommy, please stop and settle down. I'm like, why? You know, I don't want to settle down. So, um, you know, I have a couple of new projects out, like my new CD, which is I'm very proud of. So we'll be hearing more about that later on. Life's been good to me is what it's called. And what is the next thing I've done? Oh, you know, I'm traveling around the world, still performing. I did a tour with a very dear friend of mine, Bill Wyman, of oh, the Rolling yeah, Stones. Sure. Yeah, I just worked with Bill over in, in, in Europe, actually. So that's kind of fun. So I'm still touring, and I'm coming into the New York area a couple of times this year, actually. I'm here now at the, what, Big Apple Com, uh, Comic Con. I'll be back uh, in May uh, doing a show there, and then I'm coming back again uh, for the Carlisle Hotel, which I got to tell you, I'm very, very thrilled about that because this album here is all about Mary Wilson up close, and it's really about, um, you know, the, like the American songbook. I sing songs like Body and Soul. Uh, fields of Gold, uh, you know, just really quiet songs that I, I love to sing. So I'm very happy about that, working at the Carlisle Hotel. Now, you know, of course, I was kidding before. You had two unbelievable singers in, in the Supremes other than yourself, and it was just a perfect combination. And um, I know, what was, what was the best part of that whole experience? I know there was a lot of them, but something that would stand out in your mind. Well, 
Well, you know, for me, when I met Florence and Diane, I just felt that we were the perfect uh, singing group. I, we were, you know, Diane Head was very sort of outgoing. Florence was more of an earthy person, and I was kind of quiet. But the three of us combined together, uh, the Supremes, and I think that, you know, we really helped America and the world because, you know, black people were not on, on, on red television much back in the early 60s, and we were one of the first to kind of break through uh, that old sort of racial thing that was going on, on here in the States. And I think that people, I think that we kind of help women become more prominent and seen as more of, um, you know, glamorous creatures, creatures who had uh, accomplished things. And, and, and I've had a lot of people like Oprah Winfrey, uh, Whoopi Goldberg come up to me and say, you know, when you girls came on the Ed Sullivan show, as black people, we would sit back and say, my God, we're so proud of our people. Look at our people. So I really think that we helped that. I mean, it wasn't just us by ourselves. There were people before us, you know, Lena Horns, the Water, Sammy Davis's, all those people, Billy Eckstein. But the world, America had not opened up enough to embrace everybody. They listened to the music and they saw them, but it wasn't until maybe mid-60s when, say, we came along and other people, when America and the world embraced us. So aside from that, you know, here we talked about the British invasion, but we became famous in England, and so we were accepted over in, in Europe the way that we accepted the Beatles here. So we kind of helped to open up the, uh, the the world in a way. We were ambassadors to America. Absolutely right. It's such a sin, and it's a crying shame that America didn't see the gold they had here, but in the UK, that's who, that's who was, um, that's who was listening to your music, and who really knew that the kings of rock and roll were Chuck Berry and Little Richard. I'm going to get in trouble saying that, but I feel Elvis was the Messiah because he's the one that brought that rock and roll to the people because he was a good-looking white boy. So he was the Messiah. But in my book, Little Richard and and Chuck Berry were the kings, and in so many books of people who came here from Britain, that that was the music they listen to. Yes, I mean like I said, with Bill Wyman of the Rolling Stones, he and I have talked for years because because we've been friends for years and he has told me over and over and over again that it was because of that American soul music, you mentioned Chuck, Chuck Berry and all those people, Muddy Waters. Uh, Muddy Waters he said that's who they used to listen to and brought it over to, to England. So yeah, but you know music, I think that music really is an ambassador for the world. I was lucky enough to be born in that era of the musical revolution. We will never see that again. And it, it's people like you who brought that out and um, three of the most beautiful singers in the world who, in my opinion, are legends, which was Flo, you and Diana, like I know them, right? And Flo. Well, you know what? People do feel they know us because they listen. They they saw us on TV every Sunday on the Ed Sullivan Show. People, they come up to me and say, Mary, how you doing? Da, 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 da. I'm like, they talk to me like my cousins do, you know what I mean, because they have known us with family, yeah, and I love that. Well, I want to say something, too. I know that we in the 60s, the music icons of the 60s, I know that we were responsible for, you know, kind of setting, today they say template, you know, back in the day, I would say we were the models for the music to come. But I want to say there's some really wonderful, talented uh, young people out there today. No, I'm not a fan of rap music. But I am a fan of music. And there's some very talented people. And I'm proud of pe some of the, like oh, Queen Latifah, I'm very proud of her. Oh, my God, I love her. Uh, Queen Latifah and I, uh, Will Smith, I'm proud of him. Uh, there's so many of them who, they're done, they learn the lessons well. Just like we learn lessons from the ones before us, like the Lena Horns and the Ethel Waters. These kids have learned from our uh, generation. So I think every generation learns from the other now, we may not like the kind of template they're doing, but still I admire their talent, and I also admire how, how well they've done, especially Queen Latifah, you know, and Mary J. Blige. They've done very well. And, and she's such a great actress also. She's, she just set her mark. She made her mark in, in yes. the world. 
then yes. that's that's nice when you see that. Yes, and done it in a in a classy way too. You know, that's I really like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you guys were responsible. I'm telling you, these people were watching you on the Ed Sullivan show and they said, Oh my god, yes we can. And that that was the greatest thing. Mary, thank you so much for this interview. I am I am so uh, honored to be sitting here with you. Um, get out all your social media if uh, people want to know where to get your records. Um, I was going to say albums. Where to get your CDs. Um, let them know. Get, get that out right now, man. Yes, thank you so much. And, and you know what? I enjoy uh, recording new music, but I also embrace my old music as well, what Flo, Diane, and I did. And, and you know, I love Flo. I love Diane. And I'm happy that we have been in the hearts of so many people throughout the years. And I thank you, too, for the things you've said. Oh, my God. Thank well, you. thank you so much. <laughs> so, Mary Wilson, uh, about 100 more years of success for you. And once again, thank you. And uh, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. This is Charles Saladino at the Big Apple Con with Mary Wilson. And we'll see you soon. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.